We are reading today from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 54, verses 4 through 8. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed. Do not be discouraged, for you will not suffer disgrace. For you will forget the shame of your youth and the disgrace of your widowhood you will remember no more. For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. The God of the whole earth he is called. For the Lord has called you like a wife forsaken and grieved in spirit, like the wife of a man's youth when she is cast off, says your God, for a brief moment, I abandoned you, but with great compassion, I will gather you in overflowing wrath for a moment. I hid my face from you, but with everlasting love, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. Let us hear what the Holy Spirit says to us on this day. Brothers and sisters, let us pray. Almighty and gracious God, we thank you for the gift of the words of a prophet who spoke in a very different time, and yet the words ring true for us this day. Because we all have those places, both individually and corporately, where we have experienced shame. And it is good news for us this day that you will not remember those places. In fact, you will make them whole. And so we come to you today, this group, this gathering of those who trust and believe, and we offer you our broken places, O oh God. We pray that through the power of the spoken word, we pray that through the gift of music and the song, that you would heal us and make us one. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. So here's my question that keeps rolling around in my head. What would the world be like if forgiveness was our first response to pain, betrayal, and conflict instead of our last? It's an interesting question. And you and I both know that forgiveness is a process. If you've experienced forgiveness in your own life, even for something slight, you'll know that it can take a while sometimes. That can take even a long time to reach the place where we can honestly forgive someone or something that has hurt us. But I think the question still has merit. What if forgiveness was our first response? In this fourth week of our sermon series about how it is that we create a beautiful day, I want you to imagine with me how many beautiful days would be created if we could get to forgiveness sooner. And how many beautiful days would be created if others could get to forgiveness sooner? Amen? If our life of discipleship, if, 
if the practices that we engage because we follow after the one that we call Lord and Savior Jesus Christ could actually form us into a people who forgive first, I think that would be an astounding witness for Christ. I think it would really set us apart as a people. I'm sure you're familiar with the story of forgiveness that has come out of the Amish community in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. In October 2006, their community suffered an unthinkable tragedy. Charles Roberts walked into the West Nickel Mine School and shot 10 girls, killing five, before shooting and killing himself. A few days later, some of whom had just been to the funerals of their daughters, this Amish community turned out for Mr. Roberts' funeral, expressing heartfelt condolences to his widow and three children. Over the years, news stories have continued to pop up around the anniversary of the tragedy. Books have even been written about this community because they are a people who chose to forgive first. And we're fascinated by this story. We can't get enough of it. Every year we, we want to hear this story again. And what's interesting to me is that the school shooting wasn't what gained our attention. It's the fact that the injured community was willing to forgive. We find that the part of the story that we'll come back for again and again and again. On the one year anniversary of this tragedy, NPR ran a story where they noted that the forgiveness of this community didn't mean that they quickly got over what happened. I thought that was such a, a helpful story. Jonas Byler was interviewed for the story. He runs one of the counseling centers in the area that were supporting many of the families as they grieved. There really weren't very many places where they felt safe to go and express their grief enough to heal. And so he had really a privileged seat because he was seeing and helping and supporting many of these families. And this is what he said in the story. We've talked to these people and they're all dealing with this one day at a time the best they can. Now remember, this is a year after the tragedy. He goes on to say, there are still nightmares. Some of the school children are dealing with what we would call emotional instabilities and this will go on for several years yet. So what do you make of that? They chose to forgive both immediately and for the long haul. They were there for Mr. Roberts' funeral to comfort his family. And then over that succeeding year, they raised money to support that family who was without their primary income earner. And yet, they still had to work through their own grief and trauma. They had to heal. So we need to remember, friends, that forgiveness is not a magic pill. That means you're suddenly over what it was that hurt you. It simply means there's one less barrier in the way of your healing work. The conclusion of the NPR story offered this word. Byler says that because the Amish can express that forgiveness and because they hold no grudges, they are better able to concentrate on the work of their own healing. We can't say it any better than that. And so I come back to my question. What would the world be like if forgiveness was our first response to pain, betrayal, and conflict instead of our last? Because that leads us into the text for today. 
By the time we reach Isaiah chapter 54, we're getting towards the end of the book. Lots of the story has already been told. And it has gone from gloom and doom at the beginning of Isaiah to promise and hope as we reach the final chapters. This is a story about a people who had lost their homeland, who were forced into exile first by the Assyrians and then by the Babylonians. And what Isaiah is telling them, friends, is that there will be a day where you will not suffer the shame of your exile. There will be a day where God will bring you home. And why? Because God has chosen to forgive them. The text, the reason why this is the text for this morning is the glimpse it gives us into what it is like for God to forgive. And I think if we're going to talk about what it is like for us to forgive, it's important for us to consider what it's like for God to forgive. And we need to remember what preceded the forced removal of God's people from their homeland. Repeatedly, they betrayed the covenant. Repeatedly, they cheated on God's faithfulness. Which is why so many of the prophetic writings, not just Isaiah, use this metaphor of marriage. You'll notice that in the text if you're following along in your Bible or, or on your Bible app. There's this metaphor of marriage that describes the relationship between God and the people. And it is a difficult marriage. Because God is faithful and the people cheat over and over and over again. And God calls them back over and over and over again. And every time, they betray God. And every time, God forgives their betrayal. Even reading it removed by several generations, which I am, I find this story to be painful. That's why verse 8 in this passage is so important. Because you get to see in this verse what it looks like to make the choice to forgive from God's vantage point. Notice how the text reads. In overflowing wrath for a moment, I hid my face from you. That's God describing how God is responding to this betrayal. In a moment of overflowing wrath, I hid my face from you, but... With everlasting love, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. You see the switch of, of, of that moment of overflowing wrath. But with everlasting love, I will have compassion on you. Friends, forgiveness is a choice. Just like refusing to forgive is a choice. Even God has to choose to forgive. Several years ago, even here in this sanctuary. I preached a sermon series about forgiveness where we talked about the rocks in our backpack. If you were here then, if you heard that sermon series, you'll remember that I gave you this definition of forgiveness. Forgiveness is simply giving up the right to get even. That's all it is. And at the end of that series, I ask you to be courageous and to lay down your rocks, to choose to give up the right to get even to choose to put down your rock so you don't throw it back. Surely God had every reason to hold on to the overflowing wrath after not years of betrayal, friends, generations. 
betrayal after betrayal after betrayal. And instead, what we witness in this passage is that God chose to put down the rock and instead to respond with compassion. That's what the text tells us. In that sermon series on forgiveness and in every sermon about forgiveness since then, what you've heard me say is forgiving is not forgetting. It's not forgive and forget because those are not the same thing. Forgiveness doesn't mean placing yourself in harm's way or ignoring a need for accountability. It simply means that you will respond with compassion instead of vengeance. It simply means you choose to lay down your rock. In the movie, A Beautiful Day, if you've watched that, what you'll notice is there's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Because forgiveness is a choice that you make. And reconciliation is a choice that both parties have to make together. So in the movie, what you'll notice is that forgiveness is a choice that Lloyd can make regardless of what or how Jerry chooses to respond to it. This is the point I would want for us to hold on to today, friends. You can have forgiveness without reconciliation, but you cannot have reconciliation without forgiveness. Let me offer that to us again so we can really hear the importance of that. You can have forgiveness without reconciliation, but you can't have reconciliation without forgiveness. So that's why we begin with forgiveness. That's why the choice we talk about today is the choice to forgive. And so I want to come back to my question. What would the world be like if forgiveness was our first response to pain, betrayal, and conflict instead of our last? What if, like God, our wrath lasted only for a moment, but our abiding response was one of compassion? What if we chose to heal after we've forgiven instead of waiting until we're healed in order to forgive? Could that perhaps remove some of the barriers that we put in our own way toward our healing? It is a choice to forgive first. This morning, I want to share with you some observations from my own life. Forgiveness is hard. And so the first observation I would share with you is that it is hard for me when I come to that place where I need to choose to forgive first. It's easier for me to make forgiveness my first response to offer compassion if my grace cup is full. So you're seeing right now a picture of a full cup. And that only happens when I have been able to receive forgiveness well and often. In my prayer times, I found that it is important for me to confess and receive forgiveness regularly because that keeps my grace cup leaning toward full. When I experience a barrier in my life to being forgiven, then my grace cup leans toward empty. Then I find it hard to respond with compassion. In fact, it becomes impossible for me to respond with compassion when my grace cup is empty. But if my grace cup is leaning toward full, what I've learned is that I can offer compassion toward the one who hurt me. 
Now hear me clearly on this, friends. It doesn't mean that I have to approve of what they did. And it doesn't mean that I have to act as though it didn't happen. I simply have to wish them well. The prayer that I've learned to pray is, God bless them. Truly. God, please bless them. Give them your very best. And again, I can't offer that if my empty light is flashing. But if I keep my cup, my grace cup, leaning toward full, then I found that I really can respond with compassion. And friends, that is a good, good place. So richly good, full of freedom and peace, full cup. I wish that for you. I really do. I wish that for our city. I wish that for our world. I wish that for our relationships. Full cups. I wish that as Christians, people would know, even expect that our first response is going to be forgiveness. But that wouldn't be the exception. It would be the rule. Because I believe that would go a very long way to creating a truly extraordinarily beautiful day. Amen.